Welcome to the Start Me Up Podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today my returning guest is everyone's favorite, federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner. Now, I'm going to keep this as short as I possibly can because Glenn answers some pressing questions that everybody has all over social media, all over the country. So before we get to the interview, the Start Me Up Podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. I don't have corporate backers. Soon, I will have advertisers, and I'll talk about that later, but it is patrons who keep the show going. So first of all, I just want to say thank you to all of my patrons. I'm very grateful for your support. If you enjoy today's show, which I believe you will because Glenn is amazing, please take a look at the About page and check out some of my past guests. I usually interview political people, but sometimes I interview actors about their craft. Uh, you could just visit patreon.com slash start me up. Take a look at the about page. And if you like the show, please consider becoming a patron for any dollar amount. Here's how it works. I do two free shows Monday and Wednesday. And then I do two patrons only shows twice a month. I also after every free show and I'll do one today. I'll do what I call right now Kimberly's after party. That's just where I talk about whatever I feel like talking about for anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes. So that's it, it works like this. If you sign up for $4 or less per month, you you have access to my two free shows plus you get the patron one patrons only show. Those are all delivered to your email box. If you sign up for $5 or more, you get everything I mentioned. You have access to it. It gets delivered to your email box, so that is the two free shows, the two patrons only shows and every Kimberly's after party. So if, like I said, if you like the show, just check out patreon.com slash start me up. You can go to the tiers, sign up for whatever you want. If you, if you go to the, t- the $2 or $5 tier, you could make that an $8 tier. You have total control. You can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description of each show. I always include my email address and you can use that with PayPal. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. You can get there through the iTunes app. Go to Apple Podcasts. Just sign up to be a subscriber because it's free. And then you can also give me a rating if you like the show. Plus, I always ask everybody for a review. One sentence is good for everyone who's given me one. Thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate it. Okay, that is it. Please enjoy my awesome conversation with Glenn Kirstner. Oh, yeah. And real quick, do not miss the very end of the show where we say goodbye because Glenn talks about what he's doing on his Patreon page and it's amazing and you're not going to want to miss it. Welcome back to the show, Glenn. Hey, Kimberly, how you doing? Oh, I'm kind of freaking out, but that's I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I have a lot I'm of happy questions. To be here. We're all, we're all going to freak out together, but it's going to be okay. Okay, well, before we get started, I just have to let you know Steph Walton uh, is just loves you so much, and she said to say hello. So I just wanted to make sure that she got that out. Yeah, send her my best, please. I will. She's so cute. I just love her so much. Okay, so let's get right into it, because I asked a bunch of people on social media for questions for you. I have my own questions for you, but I think the biggest question on everybody's mind is can t- can Trump pardon himself? Now there was I just want to say there was a, a Washington Post article that I that was written by a lawyer, and this person was basically saying, okay, the Constitution makes clear that the president has powers to grant pardons except in cases of cases of impeachment. So mm-hmm. he says the most coherent constitutional understanding suggests that if the House votes to impeach even before the Senate begins its trial. 
He is then barred from issuing a pardon either for himself or those related to the impeachment charges. Congress, not the Supreme Court, can move to decide on whether the president can pardon himself or others directly connected to the high crimes for which he is impeached. Now, I just did I. Yes. Um, I, I want to know what your take on this is, especially because we've got these people, the insurrectionists and everybody's like, is he going to pardon them? So what's your take on this? Yeah, so uh, I am not like the last word on constitutional interpretation. I, I taught con law at American University, but it was largely fourth, fifth, sixth, and eighth amendment. So, okay. but I have read as much as I can read on this, and I spent 30 years arguing cases in front of judges. And here's my take, and I actually think it is the the better weight of authority. Okay, it's the the in, in except in cases of impeachment clause, I think is generally understood that a president can pardon somebody and and basically wipe away a crime or a criminal conviction but the president can't use the pardon power to wipe away an impeachment i see so i I think that is really i think the overwhelming weight of authority from constitutional scholars, because let's face it, this president has already been impeached once, yes, right? right? He is an impeached president. And what has he been doing? He's been issuing pardons. Mm-hmm. Nobody has said, wait a minute, he can't do that. Mm-hmm. He has already been impeached. So yeah. I, I, I have heard a number of different interpretations. Some I think are more aspirational than actually supported by any, by any law. And here's the thing, Kimberly, the court has never decided that mm-hmm. issue. So nobody can definitively say it means this because okay. the only way we will ever be able to say it means this is if the Supreme Court tells us it means now, I can tell you my view mm-hmm. is that a president cannot pardon himself. And I would bet a buck. I'm not a betting man, <laughs> but I would bet a buck that the Supreme Court would strike down a presidential self-pardon hmm. in a hot minute. And here's why. First of all, the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel in 1974 issued an opinion in the throes of Watergate saying a presidential self-pardon is unconstitutional. Hmm. That was in like September of 1974. They just took that summary position right there. Here, here's another reason that I say, um, and that's, again, that's just, you know what that is? That's an OLC memo because years later, the OLC put out a memo saying you can't indict a sitting criminal president. Hmm. I don't agree with that one. Okay. But what the Office of Legal Counsel does is it studies the issue and it, and it renders a legal opinion. And its legal opinion is a presidential self-pardon is unconstitutional. Here's the other thing. The, the, if the president were to have the ability to pardon himself um, from all crimes he committed while in office, he could very conceivably – and this is going to sound hyperbolic, but with Trump, nothing is beyond <laughs> the pale. Yeah. He could steal all of our money out of the U.S. Treasury. Oh my he God. could then pardon himself for the theft, and he could thumb his nose at the courts and at the American right. people. Right. Right. That, that cannot be sanctioned or endorsed by a court. So here's the other thing. If the if the courts ruled that the president could pardon himself from all crimes in office, that would be the court saying a president is above the law mm-hmm. and beyond the reach of the courts. It would be the judicial branch, one of the three co-equal branches of government, neutering itself, right? Wow. Making itself okay. a second branch, a second class branch of government because it could do nothing 
about a president who pardons himself and pardons all his corrupt co-conspirators and robs the United States of America blind. If the court wanted to put Donald Trump above the law and beyond the reach of the courts, they had that exact opportunity in July when Donald Trump argued in the Supreme Court, I am above the law and beyond the reach of the courts. That's why I don't have to comply with subpoenas, with the criminal justice system, with the process, because I am above it all. That was his argument, absolute immunity. That was his argument in July in the tax return litigation that came out of New York, one case, and came out of D.C., the Congress, and another. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court said, no, you are not above the law. You are but a mere mortal, and you are subject to the laws like anybody else. And that, that opinion issued by the Supreme Court included his two draft picks, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, wow. who ruled against right, him. Right. If they wanted to put him above the law, they would have done it in July. They didn't, and they're not going to do it hmm. in the self-pardon context. So if he, if he does in the next few days include himself in these hundred people that he's supposedly going to pardon, um, the process would be then – like how quickly would it get to the Supreme Court? So here, here's what I think must happen if he pardons himself, and we can talk about pardoning others because there is mm -hmm, yeah. actually a law, the verdict case out of the Supreme Court from 1915 that is relevant to that issue. So if he were to pardon himself, we would have to charge him criminally. The Department mm -hmm. of the Easiest Crime that is already packaged up and waiting to be indicted, you know, we can start with the campaign finance violations mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm. conspiracy he was in with Michael Cohen to violate the campaign finance laws. That case has already been proven, right? Okay, Michael yeah. Cohen pled guilty to it. Yeah. And the Southern District of New York prosecutors have all of the evidence supporting it. So we could walk into court in an hour and convict Donald Trump of those crimes. <laughs> if he pardons himself, you have to indict him. Why? Yeah. Because that's the only way you can test the legality mm -hmm. or the constitutionality of a self-pardon. How quick would it get to the Supreme Court? They could do it on an expedited schedule. Hmm. You know, they could probably do it, you know, in, in 1974, they issued the subpoena for Nixon's tapes. He fought it in court and it went from the trial court in August, decided by the Supreme Court in July. So literally in a wow. matter of four months, wow. we can do that if we have the will to do it. So, right. and he, but here's the other reason he has to be charged if he pardons himself, because if we let Donald Trump pardon himself and it goes unchallenged yeah. in the courts, we decide not to criminally charge him, then that will become part of the American fabric. Mm -hmm. And moving forward, every president will be able to say, I can commit all the crimes I want in office and I can pardon myself. And they didn't challenge Donald Trump on it, so you can bet they're not going to challenge me on it. Yeah. So that's one real problem with allowing a presidential self to go unchallenged. But here's the second problem. Donald Trump will use it mm -hmm. as evidence that he did nothing wrong because mm -hmm. the first thing out of his mouth, if we don't challenge a presidential self-pardon, will be, yeah, the reason you're not challenging it is because I didn't commit mm -hmm. any crimes. Mm -hmm. It proves that everything you've been saying about me is a witch hunt. So mm -hmm. my bottom line is that if we decline, if we fail to challenge a presidential self-pardon, we might as well just endorse Donald Trump for a 2024 <laughs> run for the presidency because it will have that effect. Right. Wow. 
Okay. Well, now I want to ask you questions. Can the pardons be rescinded? Um, somebody asked, rumor has it that, you know, Trump is selling them. So, okay, let's go with that one. Let's say we find out that somebody purchased a pardon. Can yeah. What can Biden do? What can the new DOJ do? So we can do two things. One, a pardon is nothing more than an executive order, mm-hmm. right? Oh, okay. What does every what does every incoming president do? Yeah. He <laughs> revokes he revokes earlier executive Interesting. orders, right? I didn't because know he, that. he wants yeah. to put his own stamp on running the United States of America, and that's perfectly legitimate. Mm-hmm. So, but you got to stay with me here because there are so many pardon presidential pardon purists out there, and they and they drive me crazy because they're like, oh my God, it's so broad. It says in the Constitution that he shall have the power to grant reprieves and pardons, so it can never be tested or challenged. That's nonsense. Of course it can be (laughs) tested and challenged for abuse and for criminality. It doesn't mean the challenge will be successful, but you can always go into court and say any of these powers granted by the Constitution can be challenged if they are executed in an unlawful or corrupt Way hmm. you can always oh, go yeah. into court and challenge it. The question is, will it be a successful right. challenge? Right. Um, so, with respect to the the corruptly delivered pardons that he gives to others, the really easy one is Raj Doan, and I think this highlights mm-hmm. why some corrupt pardons can be undone. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they can be undone by Joe Biden saying, "I hereby revoke Roger Stone's pardon." You know, that's an open question, Mm -hmm. and I think that it it may be an uphill battle in court, but I think it's a battle worth fighting because you're never Mm going to win the battle. You don't don't fight, right? And and the Roger Stone one in particular, I maintain that the granting of the pardon – now, remember, he's a double dipper when it comes to pardons. First, he got his sentence commutation Mm -hmm. as he was about to set foot in the Federal Bureau of Prisons to begin his 40-month sentence – his sentence was commuted, and thereafter he was pardoned. So he, you know, two for the price of one there, yeah. um, with the price being covering up for the president. Um, so I maintain that when when Roger Stone was the go-between, right, between the Trump campaign and WikiLeaks, and he was, you know, uh, he was facilitating the use of those stolen and weaponized emails mm-hmm. in the 2016 election, he was involved in criminal activity and it was benefiting trump and the campaign and then when he was called to congress to testify about it he lied about all of that to cover up in part donald trump's crimes and judge amy berman jackson said at roger stone's sentencing hearing mr stone you were not standing up for donald trump you were covering up for Donald Trump. And then three, and remember Donald Trump's tweets and statements that Roger Stone's got to stay strong. Don't snitch. Don't, you know, you're brave. You're great. I got you. I'm taking liberties with the exact language. He was basically, you know, saying, you know, hold fast in this conspiracy to obstruct justice that you and I are in together, buddy. And Mm -hmm. I got you at the end, three days before Roger Stone was to report to begin his 40-month prison mm-hmm. term. Uh, Roger Stone gave a, an interview to How- Howard Feynman, and he said, and I quote, Mr. President, I stayed strong. I could have flipped. It would have been much easier on me and my family if I had flipped. And here's what I want from you, Mr. President. I don't even want a pardon. I want a sentence commutation. Wow. And later that day, Donald Trump signed 
Roger Stone sentence commutation. What I've just described there is a conspiracy to obstruct justice and the crime of obstructing justice. You can't use a pardon as part of the commission of a crime, which is what Donald Trump did, and expect to walk into court and have the courts uphold that pardon as lawful and constitutional. So I will take that case into court any day of the week, and I believe judges would rule that the whole Roger Stone commutation and ultimate pardon were part of a corrupt criminal scheme to obstruct justice, and the courts will void them out. That's my firm belief. Any any time we can prove that Donald Trump issued a pardon to a co-conspirator, the courts will strike those down. We just have have to have the political will Mm -hmm. and the nerve and the backbone to go into court and do this on behalf of the American people. Do you think we will have that? That if we don't, if we don't, we are slouching toward the end of our republic. So. I, I believe I, – I am fond of Merrick Garland. I, I've met him a couple of times. I do not know him well. Mm-hmm. He is very highly regarded mm-hmm. in the D.C. criminal justice circles. He is a bit of a quiet storm because mm-hmm. he's kind of a cir- circumspect, understated guy. Mm-hmm. But everybody who has worked closely with him um, has said, no, he does not tolerate public corruption. Good. And he is much stronger than he seems on, his surf- on the surface. Wow. So. I'm optimistic. <sighs> okay, so what about the insurrectionists? I mean, you know, I know that stupid, furry-headed idiot shaman, um, and I'm trying not to be profane here. He asked for it. I know other people asked for it. So when you commit that kind of an act, um, I mean, what about that? I mean, can they get pardons? I guess they can. They can. They okay. can. There have been some. Some. There's been a smattering of legal opinions that somehow he is deprived from granting pardons to the insurrectionists for some reason or another. I actually think, you know, just as what Jimmy Carter granted amnesty to the draft dodgers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he could grant by category hmm. a blanket pardon all people who participated in, in wow. the insurrection at the Capitol. I don't think he will. Okay. Because, you know, if ever there was a hundred percent guarantee that that's going to get him criminally charged and landed <laughs> in court. He inspired, he organized, yeah. incited, inspired. And then he basically loaded, figuratively speaking, he loaded those insurrectionists into a gun in mm-hmm. his 11 a.m. pep rally. Mm-hmm. And he pointed that gun at the Capitol and he fired it. I mean, he is, so, he is, absolutely criminally responsible for inciting an insurrection. Um, And that's something he's been impeached for now, but he also needs to be criminally uh, indicted for. There's just, you know, one branch of government, the executive branch does not get to attack another branch of government, the legislative branch, which which is exactly Mm -hmm. what Donald Trump did. And here's the part that that angers me to the boiling point. He also deprived the legislative branch, the the U.S. Capitol, he deprived it of the executive branch law enforcement agencies necessary to repel the attack that Donald Trump launched. Because think about all the BLM protests. Mm -hmm. For gosh sakes, we had the FBI, the DEA, we had ATF, we had the Bureau of Prisons riot squad, we had the U.S. Marshal Service, Mm -hmm. we had the Park Police, we had... All wow. of these federal law enforcement agencies protecting, you know, against what were largely peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He deprived 
He deprived the legislative branch in the U.S. Capitol, all of those federal resources. And he basically, you know, left the Capitol Police. Mind you, the Capitol Police is the only law enforcement agency under the control of the legislative branch. All those other ones I listed are all under the control of the executive branch, plus the National Guard and the military. Hmm. So he set them up to be sitting ducks. Wow. Right. And that's and you see that you see the video. Yeah. Do you see how easily right. overrun and yes. overwhelmed the Capitol Police were? Yeah. It's a small little police force. Yes. So he, he basically endangered everybody from the janitorial staff to the vice president of the United mm-hmm. States, all of whom were in that building mm-hmm. trying to certify or support the certification of the election of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And Donald Trump sent his goons to kill them. Let's just call it what it yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. So this brings me to the next question. Are elected officials that echoed Trump's lies equally guilty of excite, of inciting insurrection? So we're talking about Ted Cruz, Lauren Boebert, uh, Marjorie Green, whatever her name is. But all of these people with Josh Hawley. Now, what uh, what legal action can be taken? I mean, I know that because they are elected fi- officials, there's action in the Senate that uh, or I'm sorry. Well, in the House, too. Um, that could expel them. But outside of that, I mean, is is what they did considered criminal behavior and what can be done? They can be expelled and they can be prohibited on a straight majority vote, a uh, simple majority vote. They can be prohibited from holding office in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the answer as to whether it's criminal or not, I hesitate to answer that question because okay. to ever say something is, is criminal definitively until you have a full grand jury investigation and you know the universe of evidence that mm-hmm. would support criminal charges against a Cruz, against a Hawley, against the Bulbert, whatever her name is, the gun toter, <laughs> the Q- QAnon gun toter. Um, it, it all, put it, put it this way, we heard the term adequate predication a lot during the Trump-Russia investigation mm-hmm. and all that means is the FBI has enough evidence. That's just, you know, mm-hmm. a less fancy way to say adequate predication. Enough evidence to open an investigation. Okay. We clearly have enough evidence to open yeah. an investigation into the culpability and the complicity of Cruz and Bobert and um, and Hawley based on just what's publicly reported. So I think they have to be uh, investigated to see whether we can sh- prove that they were part of a conspiracy to incite the insurrection right, yeah. as a capital, but at the capital, what we have seen makes them look really dirty mm-hmm. and perhaps criminally culpable. But we need to fully investigate it. Oh God, this it's it's all so crazy. Now, one of the things I I don't know what you're going to know about this, but I'm going to ask anyway. There was a Washington Post article talking about the Order of Nine Angels, a neo-Nazi occult that seems to be increasingly influential and is known for recu- recruiting U.S. military to carry out terrorism. Now, we know that, that a lot of white supremacists are going into law enforcement. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say this. The other night, I had this paranoid fantasy that, okay, we've, we're seeing all of these uh, military personnel in D.C., and like the 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 paranoid thought was, oh my God, what if some of these people are white supremacists? Right, yeah, white supremacists, and what if they 
do something to overturn the election, which I immediately felt that's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. And then I get a, a DM from somebody a few days later asking me that very question. So I said, I don't think that's going to happen. And then I see this article about the order of nine. So I guess my broad question is moving forward. I mean, I, I, I'm not feeling like necessarily anything. I hope huh, nothing happens with Biden and, and Harris um, yeah. during the inauguration. But outside of that, I mean, we have this real problem with white supremacy getting involved in, in military and, and, and law enforcement. And what are we going to do about this? Yeah, that's that's a great question. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the divide is so deep. Yeah. And how we go about repairing it. I mean, you know, first of all, uh, I think we need a scorched earth information yes. campaign to combat the scorched earth disinformation mm -hmm. campaign. Now, I happen to believe that people who are drawn to Donald Trump's message of hate and xenophobia and misogyny and, you know, all of that and, and prejudice. And I think it's because they they yes, they are. People are raised to be hateful and prejudiced. They're not born that yeah. way. But I think it is largely fed by a lack of opportunity. And when you have a lack of opportunity, you need to blame somebody. Yeah. And Donald Trump gave them all somebody to blame. He didn't make their life and their lot in life better, right. but he gave them somebody to look down on, somebody mm -hmm. to hate, somebody to blame for their poor quality of life. Yeah. And that's what he's tapped into. So the one thing you have to do is try to improve the quality of life for everybody mm. because everybody, even, you know, Trump supporters that I think they want a living wage. Yes. I think they'd like affordable health care. I yeah. think they'd like their kids to go to school at an affordable college. So I think, you know, if you can help on those fronts, then I think what motivates them to kind of fall down to the lowest common denominator of hate and hate unifies in a way that love doesn't unify, unfortunately. But then more, a more pointed answer to your question, what do we do with law enforcement agencies that have been Ill infiltrated by, you know, white supremacists or military organizations that have been infiltrated by white supremacists? You know, one of the things that I'm dug into is, is police reform. And mm -hmm. to me, police reform does not mean, I think it applies equally to the military. Police reform to me does not mean you ban a chokehold and you ban this, you know, tactical maneuver or you ban that weapon because in, in, in if there are racists populating police departments, they don't care right. what is banned. They don't care if they're violating rules. They're going to hurt black folk because they're black folk. Right. So what we need to do is in, we have to just completely change our way of thinking when it comes to hiring, whether it's police or allowing people into the military. You can actually engage in extreme vetting, you know, and you can because everybody lives online now. Mm -hmm. So if there are people who have been living, you know, a, a prejudiced life, a hateful life, a misogynistic life, a xenophobic life, we're going to know about it. And the thing is. We need to demand extreme vetting when we're deciding who's going to be a police officer, who's going to mm -hmm. put a badge on yeah. their chest and a gun on their have the authority to order me out of my car and order me on the ground and put handcuffs on me. Well, you you need to if you're going to sign up for that, if you're the kind of person who wants that power, 
over your fellow citizens, then we are going to crawl so far up your <laughs> social media accounts <laughs> and we are going to know everything about you. I'm going to mm -hmm. interview your friends and your family. Mm -hmm. I'm going to interview your school teachers. I'm going to, I'm going to wow, scour yeah. your body for racist tattoos. Yeah. I'm going to put you on a polygraph and see if you are driven by hate. We need to engage. And you know what? If, if you're the right kind of person, who's looking to join the police force or the military for the right reasons mm -hmm. to protect and serve, to defend the country, to treat everybody fairly and equally, then you're not going to have a concern about this extreme yeah, thing. Right, right. So I'll, 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 let me finish up with 30 seconds of police reform, extreme vetting during the hiring, during the assessment process. And that extreme vetting is with complete citizen participation. Mm -hmm. Every step of what we're proposing uh, by way of police reform includes complete citizen participation hmm. because you know what I, you know I am the one who is going to be on the receiving end of handcuffs or police mm -hmm. force so I need to have a say up front yeah. so so complete citizen participation in the extreme vetting in the extreme training and testing of police officers which should happen you know, early and often, not just once in the academy, and then we launch you to the street never to be retrained or retested. And then as important as the first two, extreme accountability mm -hmm. with full citizen participation, one excessive strike force and you're out. Wow. No more police unions mm -hmm. protecting bad cops. So that three-part plan, I think, has some hope of actual police reform, hmm. not just banning a chokehold. And it's right. equally applicable to the military. Wow. You just have to run everything. <laughs> Please. Yeah, and I would do it for free. I mean, ju you know, justice is energized. You yeah. know, and, and fairness and decency is energizing. And yeah. that's, where we, that's where our energy ought to be directed. Well, and that's why everyone loves you. Okay, I have a couple more questions. And I know sure. you're limited time, so I'm asking quick. So, okay, this, this was asked by somebody on social media. If D.C. were to charge Donald Trump and others, would they be considered federal or state crimes? Oh, what a great question. So we all know that you get that a president gets to pardon offenses against the United States, mm -hmm. that federal charges. A president does not get to pardon people who violate state laws. So in the 50 states, New York, for example, uh, uh, presidential pardons have no effect. Here is the sad reality of Washington, D.C., where mm -hmm. I practiced for a few decades. Um, because because it was chartered as a federal city, it's not a state. We ne we don't have a district attorney's office. There there are no prosecutors in Washington D.C. There's just my my former group, the federal prosecutors, the U.S. attorneys. We do all of the prosecuting in federal court and in local court. Unfortunately, presidential pardons apply to local D.C crimes, offenses, and convictions. Hmm. So if Ivanka, for example, got indicted under the local laws of the District of Columbia, daddy could pardon her. Hmm. If Ivanka gets indicted in New York for violating New mm -hmm. York state law, daddy cannot pardon her. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> 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 I'm just very hopeful about that one. <laughs> yeah. I cannot stand her. And the other question I'm going to ask totally Totally not related, jumping around here, but I'm going with what other people are asking you. I don't know the answer to this. This woman asks, are there two separate votes in Congress with different votes needed, one for criminal conviction, which needs 67 votes, and one for 
to bar him from running again, 51 votes question mark. Do you know the answer yes. to that? Okay. Yes, I do. It's so, and it's not a criminal conviction. It would be a conviction on the article of impeachment, which, okay. is, which is a political decision. It's not a criminal conviction. But yeah, you need the 67 votes to find him guilty on the article of impeachment that has been sent over by the House. But I, yeah, but you only need a simple majority. Mm-hmm to prohibit him from ever holding public office again federally. So, yes, those are two separate votes, and they have different vote counts required for each. And if 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 they don't convict him with 67 votes, can they still bar him from running again just with that simple majority? I wish I knew the answer to that. That's a great question, and that's occurred to me, and I have not seen an answer, but to be honest, I haven't dug into the research on that. Okay. Um, I think... The answer is be, because the, the, the second vote to bar somebody from future public service is almost like part of the sentence right. for your for first conviction. Uh, political conviction if they right. find you guilty. So I think the answer is probably no. They don't get to move on to the second vote, just okay. like a judge wouldn't get to move on to sentencing if the defendant wasn't convicted on the first vote. Okay. Um, well, and, and actually the, uh, the last question I have for you is what is your gut telling you about inauguration day? Oh gosh, my gut is telling me that. So I was yesterday, I was in DC uh, apartment hunting with one of my daughters and I never felt so safe. I was also there on nine wow. 11 and that was, that right. probably came the closest after we cleared out the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's a, there's an, an armored vehicle on every corner. There yeah. are military members with automatic weapons on every corner. I, I think this is going to be a safe inauguration. Um, I, you know, I, I may be in the minority believing that we should even move it indoors to a safe location. I I understand that people don't, don't like the idea because that's perceived as us giving in. But my analogy is, you know, when they flew planes into buildings Mm -hmm. on nine 11, we adjusted airport yeah, security exactly. and that wasn't considered giving in. So right. I just want Biden and Harris to be sworn in safely. Yeah. And if, and if the powers that be think that can be accomplished outdoors, then I'm not going to second guess them. I think we're going to get through it just fine because that place looks like a dang military installation now. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad that you are here to answer some of these questions because I know everybody on social media is just, you know, we're all kind of going crazy. We're all trying to figure it out. So it's good to talk to somebody who really understands all of this, even if you don't have, um, even if you don't have specialty in it, you still are able to break it down. So I appreciate it. And I do know you have other things you have to do. So I'm going to let you go. But before I do, please let everybody know where they can find you. Sure. So I'm on YouTube, uh, Glenn Kirshner too. Just Google my name and you'll find my YouTube channel. And I post a video every day. I think I've missed two days since May. Wow. Uh, I, I may take a day off after the inauguration. <laughs> you um, so yeah, please tune into my YouTube videos. And then I'm over on Patreon. Just, you know, Google my name, Glenn Kirshner on Patreon. We have team justice over there. We've actually put together a team and we're working projects like the citizens brigade of court watchers. You know what we're doing? Huh. We're recruiting citizens from all all over the country, volunteers to go in as soon as courts are back up and running, uh, rather than just being virtual, which they are now. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have citizens in every court oh, wow. where every federal court where there is a Mitch McConnell not qualified judge who has been crammed down our throats, and wow. we're training them, and we're going to and we're and we're 
giving them the two-page judicial misconduct complaint form, and we're showing them how to file it, and they're giving to us, and we're going to double do double duty, and we're going to file it, and we're going to dislodge. That's one of three ways we're going to dislodge the Mitch McConnell not qualified judges. So we're over on Patreon, Team Justice. We're building that. We've got those kind of projects up and running, so we're very excited about that. And then you can always find me on Twitter all day and night trying to answer <laughs> folks' legal questions. It's, it's at Glenn Kirshner, too. Awesome, and I know I'm one of them. Oh my God, that's so funny. And don't forget, you can find me on Twitter, author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. You can find my books on Am- on Amazon. So, Glenn, thank you so much for giving us your time. We so appreciate it. Thanks, Kim. I enjoyed it. You have a good one. You too.